0: I think a lot of people are they feel like they're oppressed because they expect something from white folks i don't expect shit from them and that's why i don't feel oppressed follow, follow. they don't owe me anything and so i move as such that's why i'm pro entrepreneurship i'm not pro asking white people to give me a raise i gave myself a raise let's
1: go
2: let's go tweet let's go. talk episode 70. it's lit This podcast is brought to you
1: in part by investattheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can't fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates exclusive collection available at investattheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. That's good. Are we on the end? Tweet What it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host Mr. Todd Meganer himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. It's
2: episode
1: 70, 7-0, 70
2: episodes into this thing.
0: That's crazy now that I think about it. Really 70 episodes. That's crazy.
2: Yep. I remember when we first started this thing, man. I just said, like, Charles, I had an idea for a podcast. Let's expand on your tweets. Everybody keeps asking you to can you expand on this? Can you expand mm-hmm. on this? And I noticed that most of the time you didn't. <laughs> like you weren't answering all these comments. It was too much. So it was was like, ding, ding, ding. Because I was thinking, I was trying to come up with an idea for a podcast. And I just said, you know what? This is it. And the first time I reached out to you, you didn't answer me back. I'm like, hmm. I waited like a week or so and I tried you again. And then you were like, sounds cool, man. Let's do it today. (laughs) Like today. (laughs) That's funny. I was like, "Oh, oh, okay. All right. It went from no answer to like, yeah, man, let's do it. Like right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe like it was it was like maybe five hours later. H you A Day, like five hours later, we were recording on my cell phone. So that's
0: success. Successful people take action, man.
2: Man, I remember going to um for those listening, I'm in New Jersey and one night I went to an event, some kind of black people like financial event or something in Brooklyn, New York. I didn't drive, I took the train. And Charles hit me up, like, let's record tonight. Or we already were on a, some type of schedule. And I was like, man, I'm not going to make it home in time. So let me just record at this train station right here. It was like midnight where it was. Train stations practically empty, but then the announcements were going off. Had to stop talking and let the announcements go off and then cut it out later. Hmm. No microphone at the time, just a cell phone. Crazy in them days. But now, now we got a professional podcast editor and producer shout out to Donald the voice now we got sponsors and advertisers now I got a microphone so so what do you take from all that Raphael what's the lesson what's the gem for the people the gem for the people is like I got man I, I could give you a couple of gems I don't know if you want multiple gems from this but first things first is like Charles always says get started and get fancy later because you know if even with the cell phone, it started out okay and then I would I decided to cut expenses and I switched to like boost mobile. And for some reason, I think it was more so the phone than the service, but the app wasn't the anchor app wasn't working properly once I switched cells, cell phones. So then we had to come up with a workaround for that. and that's how we ended up recording on Zoom way before COVID. Way before everybody else was doing everything in Zoom, we started doing it on Zoom. And that's another thing you learn from that. You got you to gotta persevere. You got to be solution oriented. You got to get started, get fancy later. And even after a while, people said to me one time, like I said, pun this out, even though the audio is bad, because a couple of episodes, the audio was real choppy. And somebody said, well, it's never that great anyway, but we listen for the content. (laughs) You know, we're not worried about the audio so much. The content is fire. Content is good. You know, that's what's important to us, man. You know, I I appreciate everybody that's been rocking with the podcast for a long time, including some of our guests like Andre C. Hatchet. I know he's been a long time listener. I still remember a lot of long time listeners like Brandy Hayes, Network with Brandy. People have been rocking with almost since day one. And I'm always surprised at the people that do listen. You know, I appreciate all of you guys listening 70 we made it baby not made, made it but we still going we still <laughs> going it's like charles said the other day we see all these tweets now how it started how it's going this is it man started on a cell phone now we're here <laughs> so for the new listeners and i'll be talking for a while now this is Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast with your co-hosts, co-creators, co-founders, Raphael and Charles. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Work Money Life. You can find Charles at Todd Billion. And every episode, I was going to say every week, but we do like two, two episodes a week now. Every episode we dissect tweets, mostly Charles's tweets, and we discuss building Black Wealth every single episode. That's the focus. Welcome. Cool. <laughs> so Charles, it's been only a few days, but any, any updates on Todd Capital you want to share with the people? Um, So I, I was it's it, I would
0: say that I talked about um, bringing on somebody to help out with the route, the vending machine route. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he started this week and I think it went really well. I have him sending me videos throughout the day. So it's like you get a lot of videos, but it gives you clarity. So I know exactly what's going on at each location. Um, I actually followed up and I went out to the locations today, but it was good because I didn't have to lug anything out of my car. I didn't have to do anything like that. Um, I just went in there to kind of see the status of things. And so what I did is I visited, I went to the locations that he went to and he did a really good job. It was very neat, very orderly. Um, his customer service skills are outstanding, probably a lot better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not customer service oriented at all. And, uh, and then I went to the the two locations that he didn't go to. And so, I was able to kind of get eyes on those locations before he went out there, which then allows us to shop more efficiently. Because one of the the most difficult things about vending is you never really know what's missing until you get there. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to go and say, I, I typed out a whole list and I was like, hey, handle these things. This is what needs to be going there on Monday. And so he doesn't work Monday and Tuesday, which is great because another issue I was having is a lot of times these vending machines, I can't even get to them until Saturday. And so if I don't get to them on Saturday, I got to wait a whole nother week. And so your vending machines perform better than more that you're at your locations. And so the goal is to have him at these locations once a week. Every location should be getting touched once a week, Right. Um, as opposed to every other week, which is what I was doing for the most part. And then sometimes every three weeks, every four weeks, there sometimes I wouldn't get to a location until once a month. Mm. And that's not how you want to run a business. And that's why you got to You got to hire people. And so, my job is to get the cash, manage the investors, manage their partners, and make sure that we're taking care of what we got to take care of and to expand and scale that business. So, the goal is to expand and scale that. Also, looking at a ton of properties, uh, putting an offer in on a tenant occupied property in Detroit right now. It is a $28,000 acquisition, tenant occupied tenants paying about 800 bucks a month. And it makes sense because my goal is just to create income for my son that. allow us to do the different things he needs to do so he has affiliate money coming in and we're using that affiliate money to now buy assets so we're taking income and we're using it to buy income or a massive income turning it to passive income now the great thing is we still have that wealth we still own an asset that is so you're not even really spending the money so we're just moving twenty eight thousand dollars over from one pile putting it into a house the house is going to grow in value it's already probably worth about 40 to 45 anyway And um, we'll get him some income. So now he'll have wealth plus income. So, Tide Capital, we're just in the position of looking to grow, um, aggressively growing. And it just helps to have so many people that are able to rock with this. And so, people, they'll see, they start counting money like, oh, Charles making this much money doing this. But all I do is create jobs and grow. Yeah, I don't see me buying, I don't got diamonds on, Raphael. No diamonds on my neck. Mm -hmm. No Dior this, Dior that. Like, I just, I got a Tide Capital shirt on and we grinding. We're we're improving our equipment. We're improving our assets. I'm over here looking at like, you know, we got these older machines at these locations. Let's get a brand new or newer combo machines for the locations that have combo machines. And then the other locations, let's give them a better soda machine so we can we can improve our appearance. Um, The same thing is true with our homes. We're putting money into the homes because a good looking home is a home people want to live in. So just because they're willing to live in a place that's not so great doesn't mean that you should keep it that way. And right. so we're investing in the exterior of our homes We're making those look great so people can have some pride of where they live, which means they'll pay us more frequently and we'll be good to go. So I I like when I ride past our homes and they look good, not just like, oh, we own these homes. Like, no, they look they're, they're good looking homes and we own them. We manage them. So we're really in a good, a good place right now.
2: That's cool, man. Todd Capital making moves, constantly evolving. And by the way, this episode, like every other episode, all 70 of them sponsored by Todd Capital um um, you go ahead man um and for those who want to learn more about vending machines and the vending machine business be sure to check out the the vending machine course in the todd capital store can you find that at toddcapital.co or as always we have links to the store in the podcast show notes please read the show notes uh Mm -hmm. but charles really quick how would you describe i think i asked you this before a similar question before how would you describe Todd Capital as it is now? Like, uh, would you call it like an asset management firm, uh, a private equity firm? What would you describe it as? Um, I feel like it's an asset I, firm. Honestly, I don't even know if there's really a
0: term for it because I think what what we're doing is is kind of unique. Mm-hmm. So it can't be cookie cutter. Like our goal is to create black wealth. I don't know too many funds that are out there that are just aimed at building black wealth. So I would say that in a sense, we're a fund. I wouldn't necessarily say that we are like an asset management fund because that would mean that we're bringing in people's cash with the focus of bringing in cash and then um, managing it. I, I kind of I don't know what you would call like a, like a Blackstone, but even Blackstone's a little bit different mm-hmm. because um, Blackstone, they manage investors money. And right now we're in the process of just reinvesting our our our, our capital, like our profits from our business, and our different ventures into more assets. So I wouldn't really I can't really put a, a label on it. It's just Thai Capital. That's all it is. Thai capital right. is Thai Capital. I don't have a, an actual label for it. And I don't want a label for it because I don't want somebody to tell me that this is what you're supposed to be doing. No, we do what makes sense in that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's why people like they try to pin you down so they can understand you. And like even I talked to my mom and she was like, okay, well, which company is gonna be paying for this and which company is gonna be doing that? And it's like, Whatever makes sense. Whatever makes sense in that moment is what we got to do to keep pressing forward because I don't, I'm don't, i not getting funding for this. I'm not getting like a loan from whoever to do this stuff. So we're just scrapping by. We're still in the startup phase. We've had some success, but we're not done. We're, we're far from done. Until we own a thousand units and maybe even a thousand vending machines, we're far from done.
2: All right. Todd Capital is still evolving, folks. The story is still being written. And just by the way, he mentioned his mother, if you need tax services, accounting services, be sure to reach out. You can could, you could DM me on Twitter at Work money Life, and I'll put you on to who we use for tax services. You can find them on Instagram at MLMCPA. Is that right, Charles? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, you could DM me. You could DM Charles too if you want to, if you want to get lost in DMs. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Todd Capital is an army. So, like I saying, evolving, no labels on Todd Capital, still growing, doing what makes sense in the moment. As like you say, like nobody's ever seen this being done before. So there is no there is I no feel like,
0: I feel like that's important because and that's one of the things that Jay Morrison tries to convey to a lot of his critics is like this isn't what you've seen. There is no prior Tulsa real estate fund. Where we're putting together African-American money to develop African-American communities. And the reason why that's important is because then people will see it and they'll say, well, oh, you did this wrong. That's not right. And I don't want to be under that microscope of people saying I did something wrong or not right, because there's no right or wrong way to do what we're doing. We are creating what's never been seen before. So for somebody to say that we did it wrong, it's like compared to what? Compared to somebody else who was getting it out of the mud, who was grinding it up, who was figuring this out without bank loans, without getting a line of credit. Like all this is cash. It's all cash based. It's not okay, we're going to go and get a loan for this. We're going to go get an equity line for this. We're going to go get blah, blah, blah. And so it looks different. It looks kind of like what immigrants do. Immigrants pull their money and make shit move with cash. You want to know why? Because they're not going to let a middleman who's more than likely Caucasian get in the way of whether they're going to thrive or not. And I'm not going to let that happen either. That's why I do my business how I do my business because I've already dead set on the goal of obtaining wealth and building wealth. And there's no conditions upon that. There's no maybes. And I have had to maneuver and finesse around all these different things. And now where we are, we can start banking ourselves even harder. I'm still not going to banks. I'm still like, okay, well, how can we do this in cash strategically? I just, I don't, I'm not in the, I'm not in a rush to to depend on banks. Why? It's a good way to get disappointed. I think a lot of people are, they feel like they're oppressed because they expect something from white folks. I don't expect shit from them. And that's why I don't feel oppressed. They don't owe me anything. And so I move as such. That's why I'm pro-entrepreneurship. I'm not pro asking white people to give me a raise. I gave myself a raise. I'm not pro asking white folks to give me a home loan. Either give me the home loan or I'm going to get the home without the home loan. I'm not pro asking to pass your exam or pass this. No, I determined that I'm going to get it. And therefore, I don't feel oppressed. I feel very free. And there's a lot of people in America. If you look at immigrants, if you look at Nigerians, if you look at all these other people, that's how they move. And
2: you're saying you're anti asking people for stuff is the problem with that, I mean, people will say, you know, they owe us reparations. They should do this. You should do that. And then, are not 100 percent wrong. The problem is when you ask for stuff from people, you're still giving them control over you. Yeah. They decide when they're going to give it to you, how they're going to give it to you, how much they're going to give you and under what conditions. And then they're still going to take a slice of it. They're still going to get kickbacks from it anyway. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is a lot of people should do a lot of different things. Like my dad, he's one of
0: those dads where he's like, you 18, you grown. I disagree with that form of parenting. But me trying to convince him I ain't going to change him. I had to make moves without him. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. It's like Eric Thomas says, if you guys don't listen to Eric Thomas, you should. He was like, he, he had to realize that his dad's never coming back. He's not going to be the man he should have been. But for the longest part in his life, he was like, man, if my dad would just do this, do this, man, I could take off. I could blow up. And he had to realize like he's not coming. He's not coming back to save you. You got to save yourself. And he he was like, what changed? He's like, I changed. I stopped being a victim. I stopped expecting people to do things that they should have done. And I took it upon myself to grind. I took it upon myself to hustle. There's more time that you're not working than that you are. But there's a lot of people who you're competing with who you call privileged who worked a little 40 hours, go home. If you work the other 40 hours outside of that, in three to five years, you'll be where we are. We're here because of the hustle. I'm here because of the bullshit that I did on Saturdays and Sundays and on weekends, on evenings and all of this stuff. Like This is the end result of what that looks like. It might not follow a straight line. It might be jagged up and down, but I learned how to bust my ass Monday through Sunday. And now that translates to my business. I learned how to make something out of nothing. When I was um, working on the weekends, I was telling the lady, like, I was buying these homes and I was splitting them up with people and how I was getting it done. And she was like, well, why would you, why would you do that? Why don't you just buy it yourself? And I was like, because I'm not there yet, but I'm going to get there. We're there now. And so, like, that's why I tell people to do something. Get started. If you can't own the whole house, own half the house, own a fourth of the right. house, own an eighth of the house. I'd rather you own an eighth of the house. And be on the other side of the cash register. Even if you're only getting one eighth of the rent, at least now you're receiving rent. A lot of people never get there because they want it to look like this beautiful thing that they always imagine. I don't. I know I'm going to get to what I imagine. And now I'm at a point now, I, I look at stuff and I'm like, I could really afford that. Easy. And it blows my mind. I'm like, all those Aston Martins, they used to see me taking pictures of. Those Rolls Royces, they saw me taking pictures of. Those Bentleys they saw me taking pictures of. I can get that now. And that blows my mind because people used to think it wasn't possible. They used to tell me it wasn't possible. They used to tell me, oh, you just fronting, you stun, You can't afford that. Uh-huh. You need to hold on to your vision and don't let anybody tell you that you can't get what you aspire towards getting.
2: Yeah, you got to start doing that with the cars, man. I've never been a car guy really, so never really interested in me like that. But I think I need to start doing that. I just feel like. I'm probably not the only person that, that thinks like this, but you start taking pictures of the cars and people, like you said, people think you're fronting. You're trying to impress people and fool people online. You're trying to make it look like you own the car, but it's time out for that, man. You can't really be worried about what other people are thinking. You got to do what works for you. You got to do what
0: motivates and inspires you. If I always tell people like these tweets ain't for you Right. These tweets are for me. I tweet this because I think these things throughout the day as I'm motivating myself, as I'm inspiring myself, as I'm watching things to motivate and inspire myself, I tweet this stuff because this is what I'm directly applying to my life. I post stuff on Instagram because that's what I'm directly applying to my life. The likes are cool, but I do it for myself, man. I do it because I know what I'm working towards. I know how focused I am. I know how hungry and ambitious I am. And so I'm of the I'm of the the ilk where I I I, I choose me. Mm-hmm. I chose me, and it doesn't matter how big they are, how dope they are. I was thinking about this today, how I was kind of going back and forth with investor Chris Senegal. And I was like, he's dope, but he ain't going to talk about what I'm doing. I'm not letting nobody, I'm not letting Aisha Selden, I'm not letting nobody down talk what I'm working towards because I've done the research and I've done the education. And just because you've had some success in certain spaces doesn't mean that you occupy all the knowledge and all the wisdom of what makes success. Mm-hmm.
2: I got to say, man, that whole. Even if it's only an eighth of the rent or whatever, like get in on this ownership, man, no matter how small. So you get to see the behind the scenes at the very least. Like, I was looking at the, uh, the, the the deal that Julian Gordon and the other guy, Anthony Kimball, put together in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And on it, you know, it was like a thousand dollars was the, the minimum that you could invest. And they also put on there that that one thousand dollars because they were trying to raise a million dollars on that particular platform by the block. And it said that that one thousand dollars would represent zero point one percent of the deal. Zero point one percent. For some people, a thousand dollars is a lot of money, and you're only going to get zero point one percent of the deal. But it's worth it if you've never been in any deal before. Yeah, because then it's also
0: Mm -hmm. it's also worth it just to support what Black people are
2: doing. Right, like they raise like two million dollars.
0: Yeah, it's like let's give us some power instead of just you know what's so crazy is when you see how much money we make on this side of the register. People are making ten thousand a day, hundred thousand a month, and then you start realizing. That these folks been making this kind of money because they always been selling to us. Right. Asians always like Dantes stole two hundred thousand dollars worth of do rags, but before you started selling do rags, there's somebody else in our community selling do rags, mm-hmm. and they made that two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And so we see the power that follows that money. Like it's freedom. It's also the power to create even more businesses and to help other people get on without even diminishing your quality of life.
2: And the people selling those do rags to us. Not only do they not look like us, they don't even wear durags. They don't even know the purpose of the durag. They don't even know how to put it on. Yeah, They just know that your black ass want it and you're going to pay for it. So yep. they sold it to you. I know that
0: one girl, she's selling durags. She probably made even more. But it's just that's why I always talk about like business being the wealth creator. But I just think it's important as we start shifting towards being producers and not consumers only as we realize like they been had the upper hand, like a good upper hand. They were making the million dollars a year, million dollars a month, all that crazy stuff because they were just selling to us and we were just buying it. Just happy to have a job. We could have had the M's. Yeah. Okieffa.
1: Okieffa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Top quality, unique, signature, fresh, trendy. Our shades provide significant UV light protection for eyes. And we have the best customer service around. The freshest and trendiest styles for both men and women. The finest shades to fit your style. Okieffa Shades is the premier choice for sunglasses. Visit www.okiefashades.com That's O-K-I-Y-E-F-A Shades.com Or on IG or Facebook at Okiefa Shades. Or on Twitter at DJ Ebrock.
2: So let's get into these tweets because this is what we do. And speaking of not putting a label on us, nobody's seen this before. Pretty sure Tweet Talk is the only podcast up there that does what we do expand on tweets. And Tweet Talk is not only the only podcast that is based around expanding on tweets, this is the only podcast that you can find that has the same guests interviewed every single episode.
0: <laughs> first off i think you need to bring that microphone closer to your mouth in general because it sounded way more clear when you did that Ooh, cool, cool um maybe you need to you need to invest in a boom arm and hey, you're just trying to look sexy man boom arms don't <laughs> do nothing but look sexy. yeah, <laughs> yeah it doesn't really do much in well you know the reason why i did it is because i didn't want the microphone on the table Got you. because if the microphone's on the table then like as you're typing or as you're like tapping yeah. the table, it can ruin the sound.
2: It picks it up. It picks it up. Yeah. Let me get into this first tweet. So Charles, I just boosted it up a little bit. So Charles, you said, and uh, we've, we've talked about, we've touched on this a little bit already. Your business isn't a business until you use it to put people on. If you do everything all the time, it's a job, not a business. Yeah. There was an unbelievable
0: level of peace that came upon me knowing that it was Friday and I didn't have to wake up and handle Venom machine stuff, but I knew the Venom machine stuff was getting handled. And the same thing could be true with the real estate investing stuff where I have shared in handling property management and now all our, all our units are occupied AF. Any issues go through her before they get to me. So in actuality, I never really talked to tenants. I just talked to one person who talks to tenants. Um, what other ways can I think about this? Of course, the options community but it all kind of started with Gumroad. Gumroad, the business, is great because they fulfill everything. So when I first started doing e-com, I was doing LLCs. And I was doing it that way because I couldn't find a website that would allow me to do what I wanted to do. I've always had products. I've always had consulting services and different things like that. But I couldn't find a way to actually market it or host it online. And so I used to respond to, I used to do the marketing and then get the DMs and then respond to the DMs and then send the links and do all of that stuff. And now Gumroad did it all for me. And I saw that Gumroad allowed me to make a lot of money. And so I tell people that getting the M isn't just about the the M in the bank. It's also about the knowledge because you start realizing like, okay, I've been doing business for 10 years. This is the first business that I've gotten to that point. What was the difference? The Mm -hmm. difference is my only responsibility is to drive in traffic, period. And quite honestly, I'm starting to monetize. I'm starting to automate that. I don't even want to do that anymore. I want to have somebody have automated posts that are doing all these different things to get its stuff done. And so a business, in a lot of ways, becomes a job if you're doing those things. And a job will never get you rich, whether you work for them or you work for yourself. There's a lot of self-employed people who think they're business owners, but they're really just employees of their own business. And so the problem with that is then you're limited by time constraints. A business is about leverage. A business allows you to amplify your income because it allows you to leverage and duplicate yourself. And so sometimes you can feel like you're cheating. You can feel like it's a cheat code to get paid for doing nothing. You We think we're supposed to, to struggle for everything. And so like one of those examples is I'm about to start automating how I even bring in deals. So I'm not going to do the, 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 the driving for dollars. I'm not going to buy those stupid lists. I'm going to hire somebody to go drive for me. They create the templates and then I have Sheridan, send emails, send texts, send phone calls, all that stuff. And that's what a business is supposed to look like. I'm able at this point to start working on my business as opposed to in my business. And what you're going to realize is it might feel like you are um, maybe losing touch, but there's so much value in being the CEO of a business. Why do you think they make so much money? The CEO is the business. At this point, now you're figuring out how can we make this more efficient? How can we make this more profitable? How can we grow this and make it bigger? And so the the role of the CEO, we think it's just the boss who sits back and does nothing. No, that is work, work. That's the true work. And so essentially what I realized is the same task is only a business when you get other people involved. You can have an options community, but if I got to do everything, it's not a business, it's a job. I can have real estate, but if I got to do everything, it's not a business, it's a job. I can invent a machine, but if I got to do everything inside of business, it's a job. E-com, but if I got to send the emails, if I got to respond to the emails, there's sometimes I don't even respond to customer service emails. I'll get them and i look at them and I just keep it pushing. I literally don't even look. Want to know why? Because Gumroad or LaunchPass has dedicated customer service people to handle that. You need to email them. If you have a Gumroad issue and you're emailing me, I can't even solve your issue if I wanted to. So. I saw a post and they were talking about like Jeff Bezos isn't answering the phone calls. He's not packing (laughs) the boxes. And so I shouldn't be doing that stuff either. I shouldn't be packing boxes. I'm going to get somebody. Actually, I have somebody who just ships orders. So as orders come in, I send them the order. They ship the order. They keep inventory of the order. I never even thought to do inventory, but they did because they're like, we need to know what we have here. And so when you start bringing in people, you realize they can actually do your job better than you. That's not your job to do that job. That's their job to do that job. I mean, stuff that he's done. The vending machine route created a whole spreadsheet of all the different products that are on there. Something I meant to do, I just never had the time to do. So, the more people you bring in, the better your business becomes. And I think that's what people need to figure out.
2: Yeah, uh, this. Brings to mind for those listening, you know, everybody talks about Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Rich Dad, poor dad, rich dad, poor dad, rich poor, rich dad, poor dad. But it's kind of like how Erica Williams says his the second book, Cash Flow Quadrant, was pretty much a better book. And that one was pretty good because that quadrant, for those who know, you know, on the left side it has employees and self-employed, and on the right side is business owner and investor. Definitely get that book or read it free from the library. I know. Some people weren't too happy with that tweet you put out, you know, mm-hmm. about protesters. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think it was cool either, but you know, whatever. If you want to buy the book, buy the book, man, it ain't, it ain't that big a deal, but definitely check out the cash flow quadrant. Read more about that self-employed versus business owner. You know, you got to take yourself out of the business, like in the, uh, mm-hmm. another book also the E Myth Re- revisited by Michael Gerber. Not the good one talks about working on your business instead of in your business, you know, having employees put their focus and their talents on a specific task. And getting employees helps to grow you too, because you you were doing the vending all by yourself. You just know, okay, I got machines here, here, here let me do this. You're doing everything kind of like by feel and like, you know, you, you kind of know what you're doing. But Once you had an employee, you had to, you sat down and you deserve a spreadsheet and said, do this, this, and this, you lay out the task. And it's more structured now. Yeah. It's more focused. It's a better run business. And it's not just because of them. It's also because of you, because you had to do it. Yeah. I, I would say that um, you're right. I think that's true with pretty much everything that I've done is
0: once I get out of the weeds, it allows me to really see what's going on and so that I can improve it. I always, one of the quotes that i had mentioned is like entrepreneurship improves you and so like a lot of people they're really not that dope they're just good at their job but outside <laughs> of their job they're like there's no self there's no self-improvement going on there's no personal development comment going on but like as an entrepreneur you have to do that but you're right it's like when you stop doing employee tasks you can become a better ceo but like you can it's like the same person can do, do two different things the the same person can either do ceo level activities or he can be doing employee activities you're going to become great at being an employee if you just stick with doing employee activities. The great thing about entrepreneurship is you can give yourself a promotion, you can make yourself a boss, as opposed to waiting for that promotion or somebody else to make you a boss. But you're right, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So now you say that you had a tweet saying, "Don't wait for someone to make it easy for you." Um, I was listening to the Bigger
0: Pockets podcast, and that's where I pulled this thought from. Um, and they were just talking about how um, a lot of us know what we want out of life, and if it doesn't look like easy, then we're just like, okay, maybe that's not for me. And I feel like a lot of us do that in America where we're not looking for what we can do. We're looking for what's easy. So a lot of people go to college and they don't get a degree in BS because that's their passion. They get a degree in BS because it's easy. But the easy road, as I always say, becomes hard and the hard road becomes easy. So I'm always taking the the hard road. I'm always going to make it more difficult to myself than easy. But I just feel like as a culture, We tend to kind of um, maybe maybe we're looking for the easy road because we don't think that highly of our abilities and maybe because we've been sold on our the fact that we think our abilities aren't that great. So we're looking for that easy, but it's not true. Uh, We don't need it to be easy for us. We need it to be possible and we don't need um, anything to be handed to us. We've seen it. I'm always surprised when I go online and I see so many black people that are just wealthy. Like I was talking to my mom and I was like, when he said, make America wealthy. He didn't say make white America wealthy. He said, make America wealthy. Therefore, if you're in America, there's a high chance that you're going to become wealthy during this term. And you could, we're talking facts now. The facts are, there's a lot of wealthy people that we don't even know. I was on, I was on Instagram. I was on YouTube. I always watch YouTube and I I scrolled past Max Maxwell and I didn't know he was a millionaire now. Um, And I, and I found another dude like JD, the millionaire mentor, and he was interviewing another dude who was African-American and he was a millionaire too. I was like, it's two black male millionaires. I just went past Max Maxwell and he's a millionaire. I was like, this is crazy. Like all these black millionaires that are just existing these days in America. And so I just, I feel like we're in a, in a unique time. And I don't want people to believe the hype and fall for the okie doke that we're constantly being sold online. We're always being told that we're defeated. We're helpless. We can't do anything and I think somebody was talking about how like whenever we get the news, it's always in a it's always in a way that's disempowering. It's never in a way that's empowering. It's always like, oh, they built they burned down what we built as opposed to what we built. Um, even the even the like the stories that they keep creating, like Emmett Till, like we don't need an Emmett Till story. We know what happened. Give us some yeah. some stories that are empowering. Go do that. Let's empower each other as opposed to just continuing to traumatize people. I don't know why we keep doing that, but um, that's that was just kind of like the thought process behind it it resonated with me because I just see it with other people like I'm that's not my 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 mantra but I see it in the people that i'm talking to is
2: they always reject ideas and possibilities because it just looks hard not gonna be easy man so reminds me be sure to check out to um Check out the ebook dropping on October 16th from Tweet Talk. Don't be a little beast, start a little business, pick that up. And now I'd like to head into our new uh segment, Let's call it uh Black Billionaire Banter, where we discuss a Black Billionaire. And I think we should also talk about what we learn from that particular person, too. So for this episode. Last episode, we talked about Sheila Johnson. Now, this episode, I'd like to talk about her more famous ex-husband, Bob Johnson, founder of co-founder, actually, of BET, Black Entertainment Television. Now, everybody, pretty much everybody knows about Bob Johnson. Uh, be sure to check out the book, uh, Billion, The Billion Dollar Bet, to read that story about how he started that. Uh, BT launched in 1980. What's interesting is when BT first launched, it was only showing for two hours a night, one night a week. It was two hours on a Friday night on another channel. Wow. And he grew that into something massive. Well, that's how it happens. You
0: start with what you have. There's so many people. They're like, "Oh, I gotta." You mean I gotta start where BET is now? I gotta have my own channel. I can't do that. And then you—that's why I I liked the whole where it started and where it's at now—is because it showed that all of us started from shit. Like all of us started with nothing. I started with one property, and now we got ten. And yeah,
2: yeah, put that ugly stuff out there. That's the way it goes. And so Bob Johnson, right now, I'm not sure how how accurate this is, but it's showing that his net worth right now is about six hundred million U.S and we all know he became a billionaire once in 2001 they sold bt to viacom which a lot of people did not like not a big fan of it myself so he sold b to viacom for three three billion that put him on the billionaire list and then he dropped off the billionaire list because of a divorce We all know he was sleeping with his secretary whatever our business but whatever what you may not know is that on, in 2007 he got back on the billionaire list. This guy is r- rich forever pretty much. Hmm. You know, once you're there, once once you're there, you know how to get back there. Exactly. You know. So what you may not know is that well, you may also know that in 2002 he bought the Charlotte Bobcats, became the first African-American to be a major majority owner in a professional sports team or NBA team at least. So But you may not know, he also created after he he sold BET, he created a company called the RLJ Companies, has a bunch of companies in there, including RLJ Entertainment, which he sold like a, a big piece of it to AMC Networks for $65 million back in like 2018. He has uh, LJ Equity Partners, a company called Retirement Clearinghouse, RLJ Financial LLC, RLJ Credit, RML Automotive, and another company called Caribbean Cage LLC, which does like uh, casino machines in Puerto Rico. This guy has companies on top of companies. And even I know like a couple of years ago, there were only six, count them, six black-owned publicly traded companies. And a couple of years ago, he had two of them. Mm. He had RLJ Entertainment and he also had a REIT. He had his own REIT, RLJ Lodging Trust. Hmm. I I think he sold that one last year. So he's no longer on. He doesn't have a company that's publicly traded anymore. So now there's only five black-owned publicly traded companies. Bob Johnson. Now, what do you say you learned from, you You would take from that, uh, Charles, Bob Johnson's story? Um, I think we pretty much, you highlighted the two things that I would say.
0: Well, one thing besides the obvious is it kind of speaks to this idea that a lot of times we think that black folks ain't out here doing nothing. So like the thing that you said about the REIT really stood out to me because a lot of us will feel like, oh man, I'm the first black person to have a REIT. And I think that's one of the things that Jay Morrison kind of tries to stand upon. And I feel like it's important to realize that we're not rare and success for black people isn't rare. And it's also not impossible. So one way that they beat you isn't by making it difficult, but by making it seem like it's impossible or it's never been done. And if you knew that it was been done, if you knew that it's possible, more people would attempt unless people would be out there selling, dr- selling drugs or doing ignorant stuff. That was one thing. The other is just that you got to start where you are, man, with what you have. I was looking at my new, the new duffel bag for views. Mm. And I was looking at the first one. I was like, man, like we've already come a long way just from that. And we aren't even like a year old yet. So imagine as we continue to stack the wood and grow the brand and get products out there, building a business is a process. It's not a get rich thing. It's a you stack the bricks, you do these things, you get rich. And so I, I feel like that's one thing that people need to really look at is if you can. I was so in the book, uh, Five Second Rule, she talks about how you need to to get started and put something out there. And she was giving the example of like, if you want to be an actress and you think that you're just going to become an actress by going to interviews and going to all this stuff, you're wrong. They're like the person who's doing the casting is scrolling through YouTube and seeing who decided to put something out there, who decided to create something like Issa Rae. People don't know this, but Issa Rae had a, a YouTube series. It was super bootleg, like stuff on paper, And it was called Awkward Black Girl. And she did that for some time. And then I want to say she got insecure. And then she started getting movie roles. And now she's just blown up. And so whatever you have, put it out there. People see me putting stuff out there and they're just like, well, that's not perfect. That's not this. That's not that. But I'm putting something out there and we're going to perfect it. I want more of us to do that. If you have an idea for whatever you have an idea for, put it out there, launch it, and you'll grow into the Bob Johnson levels if you just keep being consistent um, I feel like that was my two things. Oh, and then also just like once you figure out how to get to a billion, like that's one thing I realized. I like, once you figure out how to get to a billion, not only is that your goal because you know it's real, but you also figure out the steps. And so, if it's not those steps, you're not taking those steps. So, for me, it's like I realized that me doing all this stuff as a middleman wasn't getting me to where I wanted to be. So, my job is to eliminate me. If I see me having to do stuff, it's not money. And so, that's why. I see people saying they're super rich and they're out of doing one-on-one consults. I'm like, you a fool. You're out of trading time for money <laughs> and little money at that. How you are you rich doing a $50 consultation? That makes no sense. There's not enough hours in the day to get rich trading your time. And that's what makes digital products so great. I make money in my sleep. I don't got to get up, brush my teeth, get my thoughts together. I literally get paid whether
1: I'm asleep, up, on a boat, not. But I can't do that if I'm doing consults. So you think your sneakers look good, huh? Check yeah. this out. <laughs> Even the most exclusive sneakers once purchased look identical to everybody else's sneakers. Can I get a holla holla? So how do you take your boring regular sneakers and convert them to unique dynamic sneakers that will stand out? Yo, that answer is easy. You need to g- get laced with Get Lace Shoelaces. Yes, yeah, Get Lace is a lifestyle shoelace retailer dedicated to inspiring customers through a unique combination of products, creativity, and cultural understanding. We just want you to upgrade your sneakers. So get laced. Visit GetLacedLaces.com or check us out on Instagram at getlace. Underscore Upgrade your sneakers with a black-owned business that provides international shipping, wholesale, custom, and fundraising options. Upgrade them sneakers, baby. you a, a genius, man. Get yours today at GetLaceLaces.com. Premium sneakers need premium laces.
2: And you had a, uh, you had a, you had a, a tweet saying every problem has a number. Yeah. Um,
0: so I was listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast today, and that's where that tweet came from. But it's also like a principle that I live by mm. because I realized like tenants and even sometimes sharing will bring me an issue. And the issue was is never the issue. The issue is how much is it going to cost to remedy that issue? And so, for example, like we had a window situation and the tenants like, oh, man, the windows aren't fixed. They're supposed to be fixed, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, make a phone call and pay the money. I was like, they shouldn't even really be on my radar right now. Um, even with rehab, you're looking at a house in the rehab and people will see like, oh, man, it needs a roof. They turn these issues into things when really it's just a dollar figure. And if you turn all your issues into dollar figures, it makes it less emotional. It makes it less depressing. It makes it less of a crisis. It's really just like, oh, it costs 200 bucks to get that done. Okay, we'll get it done. Thanks. Um, And that's what makes life easy. However, the problem is when you don't have the money to handle those things, then it's a crisis. And so that's the problem is it's not so much that it's a money issue. It's that they ain't got no money issue. And so (laughs) if you don't got no money and you get a ticket, all of a sudden it's like, damn, a ticket. But if you have money, you get a ticket. It's like, it's a hundred bucks. Get it on my face. Otherwise, if you don't have any money, you get a ticket. You can't even pay the hundred bucks. Now you get a civil assessment. Then you get a double civil civil assessment and a hundred dollar problem turns into a thousand dollar problem. And you really don't got a thousand dollars. And then your license gets suspended. Now you can't get to work. And this small thing turns into a big thing. So I would say, get your money up, (laughs) but also realize, that when you start investing, everything is a dollar figure. Everything is just when you're analyzing a deal, everything is a dollar figure. If it has a foundation issue and they're asking this and they haven't factored in that foundation issue, you need to subtract that foundation from your offer. If it needs like that's how you do a deal, you look at what they're asking, you look at what the as is comps are selling for, you look at what needs to be repaired to even get it to as is levels, and then you make your offer. Everything is a numbers based. Take the emotion out and strictly work with the numbers.
2: Yeah. Speaking of numbers. Now, this next tweet, I think it speaks, I connected to what you always say about business is the number one accelerator for building wealth. Not so much real estate and not so much stocks. But you had a tweet saying selling shit is my favorite pastime."
0: I'm trying to rent it up with these views bags, man. It's, it's a good feeling people buy my views bags because it's such a new brand and just seeing people buy it and buy into the vision is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. We're already down to like a box and a half. I first started with, with three boxes. I sold a box and a half, which is about 75 bags. And so it's just, it feels good to have people buying into you, not only your digital products, but your physical products. But I also realized like my, like my checking account is fat, but that's just where I kind of like keep the money that I'm getting ready to deploy. But I had, um, I had um, in my, in my brokerage account in Robinhood, hood, which is in my other, I got multiple accounts, but I have like 457 in an account. And I was like, that's crazy because I don't know anybody who's worked their whole life who has that much money. And that's just one account. But actually, I do know somebody who has that much money. But the crazy part about it is you don't get there trading your time for money or waiting until you get older because a lot of these jobs will tell you like, oh, well, when you get older, we'll pay you more. Oh, when you get more experience, Mm -hmm. we'll pay you more. 10 to 15 years experience will pay you more. And I don't want to live like that. I've realized that you make money by selling stuff, period. So if I'm not selling stuff, I'm not making any money. My son will know that we sell things in this family. We don't. Uh-huh. We don't trade hours of our life for money. Whatever. Whatever that widget looks like is it a digital widget? Is it a? Is it a mastermind group? Is it an advanced trading course? What can we sell to make money? What can we control to make money? I think honestly, I think Master Pete understands that, and he's chasing billion dollar levels now. I think that's his goal. So
2: yeah, my views, back.
0: And I'm just it? trying to get some more, man. Is it every I'm week. See, I'm gonna send you the other one too. Got my
2: gloves, got my books, That's dope. Every week I use my bag, man. People, people like the, the red one. What's funny is when I was checking it out, I was trying to. I was um trying to put in the code, the coupon code, whatever. So I wanted to buy the tan one, but I bought the red one with my steak. But then it was like, ah. man, that red is fire. I was like, nah, I don't even want, I don't even, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even going to say nothing. I want that red one. The red one is
0: fire. Yeah. So it's just, it's more liberating, man. I would, I would rather get money through that kind of an exchange than going to this job, suffering through this job, waiting for it to end. Like every time I'm at that job, I get miserable. The only time I get happy is after five. I'm like, cool, I'm free. Mm. It's like you feel like you're in bondage. Like you have to stay there. I don't want to have to do anything. Because. I want to do things because yeah, set my be in my cubicle. Gotta be right. Yeah. It's like man. It's like your chain there. You don't even know your chain, but your chain because if you leave, it's some problems.
2: It's like they got a, a tripwire next to your chair or something. You get up. It's like, whoop, 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 whoop. Negro got up from his desk. Yeah. Get him. I'm, I just, I'm looking for more stuff to sell. I'm
0: looking for more product. I need more stuff. If I can't, if I need more stuff, all I'm trying to do is create more stuff to sell.
2: more stuff to sell. Now you're talking about the job versus the business. Now you had a tweet. I usually don't do the long tweets. This one's kind of long and I think I need a little explanation before you, you even do the explanation. So you said preconditioning leaving your job on the basis that you earn enough in it in outside income as you do on your job is a great way to never leave your job. You give your job all your best time and energy and expect to replace that income with a side hustle. So I was listening to a podcast and this particular podcast
0: was uh, important to me because my friend was on the Bigger Pockets podcast, and he had actually reached out to me to be on his podcast. And then I actually had him on my podcast, and now he's on the Bigger Pockets podcast. And he was talking about how he went from being a mailman to a full-time real estate investor. And when he when he left his job, a lot of people were telling him like Hey, you don't want to leave your job until you make at least mu- as at least as much money in your outside income as you doing your job." But that advice sucks. Hmm. Why? Because it almost makes leaving your job impossible. Because now you're making what you do for 40 hours of the week with your the all your energy compete with the thing that you do in your your spare time, your evenings, your a few hours in the evenings, right. a few hours on the weekends. And so if that's the case, that's like saying, okay. I'm going to compete my I'm going to put my 40 hour work against my 20 hour work. No part-time job is ever really going to beat a full-time job even if it's lucrative, even if it's real estate investing, even if it's flipping, even if it's all that different stuff. And so that's why my philosophy is what Jeremy Johnson says. He said that when you leave your job, you're going to lose money. You're going to make less money in the beginning, but the reason why you're willing to lose and make less money is because once you get it going, you're going to make far more money than you could ever make. And I was listening to Dr. Doctor Boyce Watkins and he was making that comment today. He was like, when he was working as a professor, he was making like 115 per year. And his thought process, was, thought process was like, okay, by the time I retire, I might be making like maybe 50% more than what I'm making now. So by the time he retires, he'll be making like $175,000 a year but through his business, he probably makes 10 times that. And he gets to talk to his people directly instead of giving his skill to all the Caucasian Syracuse students. He can talk directly to his people for his people, edifying his people. Me listening and absorbing all his stuff is probably his wildest dreams. Us, him being able to help a black businessman create a business that employs other black people is probably exactly why he does what he does. And that's priceless. And you won't get that when you work for their firms. And not only that, you'll actually probably be taking an L helping your your own people, because in my job, we don't we don't really service our African-American people at the level that they deserve to be serviced. They kind of get treated as though like it's not the same. It's not the same level of care, It's not the same level of respect, not the same level of I'm going to bat for you as they do for people who might look like them who might have some bullshit cases, but they're going to fight it versus the black case. So they're just like, ah, you just you're just trying to come up. Uh. So I sell that to say that I prefer the Jeremy way and also the way that my friend did George. What he did is he was like, you know, if you put two feet into real estate, you'll win. If you put two feet into Tide Capital, now we're going live once a day. Now we're over here upgrading this. Now we're over here uploading stuff into YouTube. I took the whole day. I was just like uploading stuff onto YouTube. Now I got more content on YouTube. Pretty soon I'll have more, more shirts, more vending machines. Like if I put two feet into Thai Capital, it's like Eric Thomas. He was running his business and working his job, and he told his wife he was leaving the job. And she was like, okay, well, you got six months. He was like, I don't even need that much time. He's like, give me a month and we're gonna kill it. And they've been killing it ever since. Eric Thomas is very wealthy and it all happened because he used to work a job too. these jobs ain't shit. And that's why (laughs) Barack Obama made a post and he was like, Donald Trump hasn't been making any jobs in America. He lost all these jobs because now they're using like the coronavirus job loss thing as Trump's job number. But I told Barack Obama on his Facebook page. I was like, we don't want jobs. We want businesses. I want my people to have businesses. I get inspired and I know you get inspired when we have businesses. When you see somebody make a million dollars and they're like, I made a million dollars selling swimsuits. I made a million dollars doing this. We all get inspired. Nobody really yep. gets inspired when they're like, I got the job.
2: Yep. Like, I mean, I, I, if it's somebody I know, I'll be happy for them if they didn't have a job or they got an increase in income. So don't feel like we completely shitting on people with jobs, but F that job, but it's not going to get our people where we need to go.
0: It's not because it's, 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 it's not unless unless that job comes through somebody who looks like you because it's people who work for me. To make way more money than just the money that they work for me. But these jobs want to put the clank clank on you. They're like, no, you can't do shit else but work for us, fam.
2: Right, right. And it's interesting something you said about trying to make the same amount in your side hustle as on your job. It's kind of people, it's kind of like saying, it's kind of like putting, let's say if you're somebody who's over 30 years old, let's say you're like 40 years old. Even if you're not 40 years old, let's say you, let's pretend. It's try it's kinda of like putting yourself against yourself. Imagine twenty year year old you versus forty-five year old you, even if you're not forty-five yet. But just imagine if you were forty-five years old. Imagine putting it up 20-year-old you, which was like you on your job eight hours a day, five days a week, versus 45-year-old you, which is you after you came home from work, putting in eight to 12 hours and then trying to squeeze something in for like three, four hours after work. That's, that's that's what the comparison is like. It's like putting up 20-year-old you versus 45-year-old you and going to the gym mm-hmm. and then going to the basketball court and then trying to go to the club. Who do you think is going to win? So trying to, trying to expect your side hustle to make as much money, as your job makes you, before you jump, like you said, it, it doesn't really make sense. Although I have heard people people say once it's making like 50% of your job income, then jump. But, you know, you got to do what you, you think feels best. Yeah. So you had a tweet. I've been wanting to talk to you about this because I think people don't, understand. some people that don't follow you for a long time may not understand when you talk about your son's business, Your son's, bi- your son made this much, whatever. You had a tweet. Saying, it's really amazing what financial education will do for you. The next purchase for my son is a rental. That rental will pay $800 a month, about $500 net. $500 a month in income each month for him, plus his plus his vending income. Not too much you can't do for a six-month-old with $500 plus. Because I think some people don't even understand that your son is only six months. So, explain yeah. to people what you mean by his his income and his affiliate business. Um, It's just, it's income
0: that I kind of created that I dedicate to him. So, I was telling my wife it's actually easier to build wealth for somebody else than it is to build for yourself because for some reason, I don't know why it is, like we can make excuses for ourselves. Yeah. So, like if I don't accomplish something that I set out to accomplish, I can be like, "Oh, it was this, it was that." But right. if I don't set if I don't give my son the the life that he deserves, I'm going to have to be accountable to him. It's like, "Bro, like why didn't you do this?" And so I I kind of I take that to heart. And I want him to have all these different things. I want him to be just extremely well developed. So I've always told people that don't just even just don't even invest in their in their in their income so they can have nice stuff. Invest in their well-being. So we have him in swimming. We have him in. Um, he's going to be going to a gym class. My son is going to have been exposed to everything. He's going to take chess lessons. He's going to have a musical musical experience lesson or mu- musical instrument lessons. He's going to have golf lessons, tennis lessons. He's going to be a very well-versed young man. And it's all going to be because I invested into his well-being, not because I just like was like, we can't afford that or I don't know how to do that. So you got to figure it out. Because a lot of stuff that I learned how to do, I read in a book. I wanted to learn how to play chess. I read it in a book. I wanted to learn more about fishing. I read it in a book. I want to learn more about golf. I read it in a book. I literally had all these things that I wanted to learn. I went and got a book on. Mm -hmm. And it would have been easier if I just had a course and a teacher. So um, with my son's businesses. Essentially, it's something that I have created, but I pass all the income to him. So like the affiliate business, all the money from the affiliate business goes to him because everything belongs to him anyway. Like I live to serve in a lot of ways. I serve my wife, I serve my son. And a long time ago, we had Tasha on the show and her whole thing is like, we shouldn't coddle young men. We shouldn't do whatever. Meanwhile, young women expect to be coddled. And then what happens is young women get older and they've been given everything and they start looking down their nose at men who had to grind for everything. And I don't want my son to have that experience. He's going to grind. He's going to hustle. He's going to work, but he's not going to be working for the sake of like just existing, just getting by. He's working to get to that next level because a lot of people, they hustle for bullshit. They're not even hustling for high level stuff. They're hustling just to drive a fucking Camry or whatever. They're not over here like, man, if I just hustle, I could I could be in a Bentley. I could be in a Rose. Like, no, they're low level hustling. And a lot of times your hustle is based on where you start from. And so I want my son to start from a place of working because he wants to, not because he has to, if he even works at all. I don't even want him to work through high school because all these Asian kids, all these Caucasian kids that you're competing with, they don't work jobs through high school. And so then they have all this time to dedicate to their studies. And you think they're smarter than you. Really, they've just been more financed than you. So I would say that he has vending machine routes. He has the affiliate business. We're about to get a rental property. He'll probably be financially free before I'm financially free, but that's just the way it goes. It's just easier to do it for somebody else than it is to do it for yourself. I don't know why, but I think you, you take a step and you stop looking at how you feel and you look at what needs to get done because I could easily say, okay, 15 grand. I could I could buy some Yeezys. I could be stunned. I could buy a chain, but I think about his future and I'm like, okay, we get a house and now we got another source of income bringing in 800 bucks a month gross. We pay the property taxes, the insurance, and then we net everything else. There's nothing you can't do if you have that income coming in for your son. I can pay for any lessons he ever wants to go to. I could pay for private school because before I had a son, when you, before you have kids, you, you look at like the life that you want them to have. And I was looking at like different schools and like schools in California that are good quality private schools That send kids to the schools like Stanford and UCLA and USC because people don't realize this, but you don't just go to a regular public school and go to a school like Stanford, USC. It's very rare unless you graduate in the top, top cream of the crop. But when you go to these like private schools, these magnet schools, all they do is send their kids to those, those schools. They have relationships. They're teaching to the criteria. They're not just there to do a job. It's a private school. That means they can get hired or fired at a whim. It's not like you have a government job through a public school. So anyway, I started looking at public school or private schools. It's like when you don't have a child, it's like, man, it's like $1,500 a month. But when you do have a kid, you start making strides towards doing it. So that's kind of where my mind is, is making sure that when that does happen, we have the assets to take care of these things as opposed to whatever. But like a switch flipped, a switch flip for me. And I was like, damn, I need more assets. I got to get it together. And so I started promoting my business more, advertising my business more, hustling a lot more, being more relentless. I don't care what anybody says, as long as I take care of my fatherly responsibilities,
2: and we good. Yeah. So I, I I got two things out of that, like, or two things from that. Yeah. You you said you're talking about it's easy to do for others, and you're talking about it's easy to make excuses for yourself when you when you you fail or whatever. And that's definitely true. I think another reason too is also. When you're just doing it for yourself, it, it, it's easy to give up because, like, if you were broke before you started trying something and it fails and you still broke, it's like, well, I was already broke, so oh well, you know. And also, as you, you also kind of, some people like you already, you're already used to being like not shit. You know what I'm saying, like. If you feel something, you're like, man, I already felt like it wasn't shit anyway. So what else is new? So it's easy to just brush it off. When you got the kids, and it's like you're saying you got you're accountable. You don't want to look at your kids and be like, damn, I should be doing this for my kids. And I just gave up too easy. And I'm just not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That hits you a lot harder than than feeling yourself. Because now you're feeling yourself and your children that you're supposed to be taking care of. You know what I'm saying? And another thing, the other thing you got, what you said is like, Your hustle is based on where you start from that. I don't want to brush over, man. That's 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 crazy because it's like it's like you said, if you if you have nothing, you work hard and you get a little something. It's like, man, that's an accomplishment, really. It might not be a accomplishment to other people, but in reality, it is. If you don't have a car and then you go get a Camry. I mean, you actually did do something if you've never had a car. But in the grand scheme of life is not not that much but imagine if you you build a a financial foundation for your kids and you put them in place and they have to hustle it's kind of like i know people don't like donald trump but people try to downplay donald trump like ah he's a billionaire well his father his father set him up his father was rich but his father wasn't a billionaire he took the millions that his father had and he turned to billions that's a bar man fred trump had two other children he had like a bunch of kids. He had a, another son and a daughter. The Daughter's like a teacher or something. She's not a billionaire. The other son, he killed himself. For whatever reason, I don't know. I'm not trying to make fun of nobody. I don't know his story. But for some reason, Donald Trump turned those millions into billions. Imagine what your kids could do if you set them up right. Your hustle is based on where you started from. Let's start them off right. So the next tweet, This one, let me just say it. You had a tweet saying all the people I went to college with are new through Greek life that went to a different school are doing big things. I know you're a big proponent of college education.
0: Um, I was just impressed because I think that when we look at college, a lot of people are looking at that next year out of college. And so it's like, oh man, I went to college. I was in there for four years. I should be rich the next year after I leave college. But For some people that happens, but for a lot of people who just keep hustling, you hit that 10 year mark and you're just doing crazy stuff. And so I've seen a lot of people, there's a girl who I follow and she's like producing for like the price is right. Another girl I follow and she's like doing this stuff for like GameStop where she's actually producing like actual products that they're shipping out and getting manufactured and then mass producing. Um, All my friends are doing crazy stuff. One manages a bank or used to manage a bank. Um, Two of them are like on their path to becoming a dean at a university. Um, One's like a vice principal. One is I think he might even be a principal. Um, Another guy, he's doing like a lot of people just doing really cool stuff, but it took time. And I think that in our community, we shoot down stuff as not possible or futile because it doesn't happen instantaneously. And college is something that plays out over the long term of your life. Not only that, college just makes you a, a general better human being. Um, I was looking at my wife and I was in the kitchen and I was like, you are lucky because <laughs> if you didn't go to college, you wouldn't have a dude like me. And I was like, I'm kind of that dude, like in a lot of ways. And I mean, vice versa, like if I didn't go to college, who knows what the the chick I would have had. And so I think that for the longest time, our people thought that and knew that college was important. The problem is it got perverted and colleges started ramping up their tuition like crazy such that it created a bubble. So when we had the real estate bubble, that doesn't mean that real estate's not good. It just means that stuff just got out of whack. Education in college is valuable. It just means that it got really out of whack and people ran up student loan balances, but the college is still valuable and it just might not play out for a long term. I paid almost nothing for college and I paid more than most people that I went to college with my mom and I split my student loan bill. And um, so she has like, she had like 20 grand student loans. She already paid off that stuff. And I have like 20 grand student loans. And then, but like looking at that now, like there's been times, multiple times this year, I made more than that in a day In, in law school, like law school, I paid like six figures for law school and I can pay for my law school now. And I'm only like a few years out of law school. So where would I be in five years? And so our culture, a lot of times, deals in the realm of misinformation Mm -hmm. that's that's served up as fact and so people will get this misinformation and then they'll take it back and they'll make decisions based on misinformation and then we end up making a bunch of dumbass decisions and wonder why we're jacked up i think one of the most the the largest people won't even entertain a conversation about donald trump these days they're like no 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 donald trump i can't believe donald trump trumpity trump 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 (laughs) and it's like it's all based on what the media told them it's not even based on the actual facts so the, the the key takeaway, I would just say, is that, like, it's important to realize that certain things are going to take longer to play out than you would like them to. But that doesn't mean they're not worth it. That doesn't mean that it was a bad decision or that there's a better alternative, because I want to know the better alternative. If we ain't going to college, what are we doing? Because a lot of folks are like, I'm not going to college. I'm going to just sit here and just complain and wait for reparations.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need all the approaches, people. And we need... We need some people starting businesses that have that college education too. Like, we don't need everybody doing everything from ground zero. Like let's learn how to do something, how to set up the business before we start businesses. Sometimes like, we need all the approaches, all the approaches. Now, before we get into this last week, I, I feel like I gotta talk about this. So I put out a tweet, right, A thread where I said the biggest factors in the racial wealth gap, according to, to some people, three things: home ownership, stock market participation, and business ownership. Then I said, Stop telling black people that quote unquote a house isn't an asset or a stock market is risky or not everyone wants a business. If you got nothing nice to say, then you know, like be quiet. And I got one, <laughs> I got one comment under that tweet. And you know what this guy said? The guy said, a house you live in isn't an asset. The stock market, like all investments, is risky. And not everyone wants to re- wants or could run a business well or successfully, though. Why do people do that? Like I just said, um- if you... Don't say that stuff. Like, if you got nothing nice, like, be quiet. Like, don't say that stuff. And that's ex- he said all the things I said not to say. What was his purpose?
0: I don't know, man. Some people just they don't really have. I mean, maybe so. Some people, some people are so downtrodden that they can't see the light, or they can't see anything positive, and so their only goal is to bring things down. I saw Chris talk about this, and he was talking about how like this idea that everybody shouldn't be an entrepreneur. Is like ridiculous because, like, no successful culture actually thinks like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there wouldn't be a Chinatown if there wasn't a bunch of China owned businesses. <laughs> there wouldn't be a Korea town if it was a bunch of Korean owned businesses. A Korea town isn't just a bunch of people living together, it's a bunch of businesses that function together. And so, we drive past a bunch of like Asian Wall Streets and Korean Wall Streets and all these other Wall Streets, Mexican towns, all the time. And so I just, I feel like the idea that everybody shouldn't work, everybody shouldn't have a business, but they should all work for a business is ridiculous mm. because everything is a business. Even the 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 government and the public utilities, they're a business. They bring in revenue, they have expenses. And so I just want us to kill that idea that everybody shouldn't have a business because I think it's just another way for us to be lazy because entrepreneurship is not easy, but it's worth it. Neither is lifting weights, neither is exercising, but it's worth it. So in, in terms of just like that, People, I think you gotta leave people where they are. I don't try to change nobody. I do a lot of blocking and a lot of muting because right. I'm not for everybody and I'm okay with that. And I also don't tolerate people who would do something like that. Somebody comes, if I tell somebody to not do something, they do it, they gotta go. They gotta go. Right. I don't need it in my space.
2: That's crazy. Like, what the hell? Like he doesn't follow me or anything. It's like, why you take the time to type this stuff out, man? To discourage people. I was um
0: there was a thread about People arguing, man, I wish I could find it. It was like still going on my timeline. I got to find this tweet. Hold on. Where was it? Here it is. All right. So there was a thread. And the initial tweet was, Black Twitter will argue for four (laughs) days over hypothetical situations. And this person, I got to find it. I don't see her. Dang. I saw that tweet. I can't find it. Damn, I can't find it. I forgot what she said, but it was like, super anti like black wealth. Mm. And I looked at her page and her page name was like tax capital gains 60%. And I was like, should I even engage in this conversation? And I was like, nah, I'm not going to engage in this conversation because people can just be so convinced. And I think the goal in life is to like execute on your views and F everything that does in line with your views. Because if you spend time trying to convince everybody, you can't accomplish, accomplish what you set out to accomplish. And I'm here to accomplish goals. So I'm just muting and blocking and keeping it
2: going. Right, man. It's ridiculous. And to touch on real quick, I saw it was either you or maybe it was Chris that said, that said like, I never even thought about this before. The idea that not everyone can like not not even do, they don't just say that pe- not everybody should run a business. They say that not everyone can run a business. And so when you guys say that's that's actually false, everybody could run a business. If you have a job, you can run a business. Like if you have any type of skill, a business is just selling. You, if you selling it, that's a business. All you gotta do is sell it to other people. You might not be a Jeff Bezos, but you can still run a business. So that whole narrative is is completely false. So let's get into this last tweet. I think this one is an interesting one. You said, I bought a new car and I was like, fam, I'm not using this to haul snacks. <laughs> immediately hired someone. Moral of the story. Buy the car you want. It will change your perspective on life. Um, I think I've talked about this before, but I remember when
0: I was in, in, in law school and I was driving a Honda. And I've always known I wanted to drive a luxury car. And um, this girl, I don't think she listens to this, but she's on Twitter. Her name is uh, Real Trill Phil. I went to law school with her. Her name is Felicia. She had had a BMW. and She told me, she was like, you know, the people that you see driving these cars are the people that you see staying late, putting the time in on the weekends and whatnot. And I was like, that's interesting because we always think that you become the person worthy of something before you get that thing, as opposed to you get the thing and then you become the person worthy of that thing. And so I got the car and it was a leap. And then you're like, this is it. Like now that car is just sitting there with a flat tire. I need to get it. I need to get (laughs) it. I need to get it some air in there. Once I got my new car, I kind of kicked that one to the curb. But a big part of the reason why I kind of was slacking on the vending machines is I didn't want to put a lot of miles on my car, first and foremost. And I also didn't want to like fill it up with like containers and snacks and all this stuff. Cause I'm like, I just bought this car. Like I ain't trying to write it down. Turn it into a work van. So I've been looking for a work van, doing all those different things. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna hire somebody because I'd rather him put that stress on his vehicle. I mean, I, 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 I just don't want the, the stress on my vehicle. He's probably listening to this. But it's like I don't, I, don't, I don't, don't want to put all these sodas and weighing down the shocks. It gets super heavy. I want, I like to be kind of light and pleasant on my things, and so. Before, when I just had my little beginner car, my beginner Lexus, I was like, I could just hustle and keep it going. But then when I elevated to boss status, I was like, nah, we got to do boss stuff. And so your mindset changes when you get the things that you want. I could only imagine what life, like my mindset and how I interact with people would change once I get that next level vehicle. Once I get that car that costs $2,000 a month and I'm just like floating in and whatever, like your mindset changes and it elevates. When you get the things you want, your mindset changes. When you get all that stuff, you start aspiring towards more. It becomes your norm. And so it actually doesn't do what you think it's going to do. A lot of people think they might get lazy, complacent. I got what I want. Like, no, it actually motivates you to go even harder, to get even more out of life, to stay even later, to show up on a Saturday, to do all that different stuff that's going to elevate you even higher. And so don't condition what you want for who you are, get what you want and then become the person worthy of what you have. I saw this, there's this quote and there's like, people have different ideas with success. And they were talking about how, if you want to become successful, go out and buy the car you want, go out and get the watch you want, go out and get all that stuff. And then spend all your time becoming the person worthy of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what I've done, but I still got levels to go. I need another one. I need Uh, another whip.
2: uh, but, But buy me a Panera. <laughs> Got me motivated. All right. Damn, is this still five thousand dollars? Maybe not. Right. <laughs> get the whip, folks. We're gonna wrap it up here. Tweet talk Blackwell podcast. We're here for you, baby.
0: It sounds better when you spark when you're talking to the microphone, man. It's a smoother
2: sound. We're gonna level up. We're gonna get it together. We're gonna get it together. Tweet talk. Still evolving. Getting better. Adding segments. Doing some more yes. things. You're going to start doing some definitions of like financial terms. What is venture capital? What is private equity? You're going to have some good things coming. More black billionaires. You're creating the whole success. network.
0: I was thinking about this. I was like, you know, I've always, it's, it's, it always happens. I have these ideas and then I try to coordinate other people and they don't act right. So I got to do it myself. And then they circle back and like, I want to be on the blah, blah, blah. So mm. I have just thought of just doing like the Thai Capital Podcast Network. And we got the Millionaire Podcast. We got Tweet Talk Podcast. We might need another podcast. I don't know what it's going to be. My mom's starting a podcast, so we'll probably throw that underneath the umbrella.
2: Okay. okay. And
0: I was realizing this. I was like, you know, being the host or being the face isn't the wealth, Raphael. Right. I started to look. I was like, the label owner is the wealthy person. The station owner is the wealthy person. We think that your goal is to be AJ and free when really your goal is to be Bob Johnson. We ain't supposed to be AJ and free hosting the show, Raphael. Right. And so I was like, you know what? I don't even want to host Todd Capital podcast anymore, or the Olga's Being Scott show. I gotta figure out a way to get another host to do what I'm doing to replace me. This is billionaire stuff because then you just working them. All right, we got to show a day. We need to get this content out. But if I got to do the show a day, it's not happening. <laughs> but the streets need to show a day. And so now we got all this stuff, and we also got to make sure we upload these videos to
2: YouTube. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Kathy Hughes of Urban One, which is one of the five um, black-owned companies that are still publicly traded. She owns. The, she started a company. She owns the company. She is not on the radio spinning records. I mean, mm-hmm. That's that's the like old term spinning records. Yeah. What the hell? You know. Exactly. She's got thousands of people on hundreds of radio stations putting out the content that she's getting a little piece of every single day. Mm-hmm.
0: And they and and, and people are get paid well. You don't want people to to not get paid well, but you're going to get paid more because you got to take care of making sure the bills get paid, making sure all the, the offices get cleaned and all that stuff. You taking care of the boss level stuff. And so once you get a million, it literally blows your mind. You start thinking, I can't I don't want to do that stuff anymore. It's not even so much that like I'm willing to do it. But but if I'm I need another one, I'm chasing M's. I'm putting stuff together to get more millions. And so I'm just putting the pieces together, like, okay, million, 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 million. Okay, I got it, like, I thought you were gonna ask me about the tweet where I was talking about just like getting out of the way of your business. And so that's what I tried to do. It's like, if my presence is there, how can I duplicate myself? Who can I bring in to be on the Tweet Talk podcast? Who wants that shine? Who wants that notoriety? Who wants that? And then it even gets even better, Raphael. I gotta get out of the weeds, because now I'm like, okay, Throwing my tweets, throwing some of Chris's tweets, throwing all these tweets. And now we're just discussing Twitter. So I'm just saying, like, you got to get out of the way if you want to grow. Right, right, Take
2: right, him right. out, Rafael. But episode 70 of Tweet Taught the Black Wealth Podcast with your hosts, Raphael and Charles. Be sure to follow us on social media. You follow myself, Raphael, on Twitter at WorkMoneyLife. Follow Charles on Twitter at Todd Billion. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion. Also, the Todd Capital business page at Todd.Capital. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Tweet Talk podcast. Follow us everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Follow us on YouTube, Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast. Follow Todd Capital on YouTube, Todd, Todd Capital. And shout out to the advertisers, sponsors, InvestAsATeam.com, home of the official merch of Generational Wealth, where you can get the ever popular You Can't Fire Me, the Boss t shirt invest team.com Also check out getlacelaces.com. We get premium laces for your premium kicks because all kicks look the, look the same no matter how much they cost and everybody else got the same ones. You got to upgrade the laces to stand apart. So get laces at getlacelaces.com. So we're going to leave you with one last tweet from Charles before we head out. We've been talking about this the, the whole episode about getting, getting out of the way. And Charles said Even your affiliate business Should be run as a business Get yourself Out the way So Episode 70 of Tweet Talk The Black Wealth Podcast Raphael and Charles We are out
1: Yes sir What's good Tweet Talk Podcast Listener This is Donald The Voice The official editor And producer Of the Tweet Talk Podcast And so I want to come to you To tell you That for the entire month Of October I'm doing a 50% off promo That's right I'm slashing the price it's 50% off Donald why would you do that Well it's because Doggone it's quarter four and i know some of y'all ready to get ahead of this 2021 momentum and so i'm here to help you so head on over to donaldthevoice.com go over to the contact tab or you can hit me up on instagram at donaldthevoice mention this promo and let's begin talking about your podcast editing video editing or voice over editing needs that's all i gotta say 50 off let's get it let's go have a good rest of the day keep building baby keep building That's what it is. (laughs)